Let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time earlier where we pondered on the finished work of Christ on the cross, Lord. That while he was hanging on the cross, he was transforming pain into entrance into your heart. We gather together now, Lord, this morning in your name, and we ask that you be with Brother John McDowell as he presents to us this morning more on the life of Paul and his journeys of spreading the gospel. We pray for all of those um, this morning that are meeting in your name, in open or in secret, that you give them a blessing where they are. We ask you all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Good morning. I did want to announce that I became a great-grandfather to uh, a grandson, my first great-grandson, by the way, and uh, out in California. Thank the Lord. His name is Blaine McDowell. So, thank you, Lord, for your word. Speak to our hearts now. Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Okay, uh, see this, uh, the life of Paul. So the first missionary journey, besides conversion, the first missionary journey, and then the second missionary journey, I think, third missionary journey, we're right in this area here, plus the next one where he, just about to the end. And as you can see on this one that we're on lesson number 12, appeal to Caesar and before Agrippa. Paul's appeal to Caesar and testimony before Agrippa. Thought I'd do just a little bit of review. Look in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. This is uh, where Paul first shows up in Scripture and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This is where Stephen was about to get stoned. And uh, he looks up and he sees Jesus Christ standing up. I think it's kind of a welcome home type thing. And uh, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. You could see that anything that had to do with Jesus, they were enemies of the Lord Jesus. And uh, and they stoned Stephen as he's calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And I missed that verse uh, 58, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses had done, laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. There's the first occurrence. And then chapter 8, when Saul was consenting to his death, not, I don't think this is the only one who was consenting to his death, as we'll see later. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And I want to go over to chapter 13. It's a first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas went out on their first missionary journey and uh, just wanted to pick up on verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. And this is the first time you find the word Paul. Um, I have here Saul's name changed to Paul. Saul was his Jewish name and Paul was his Greek or Latin name. Most people think that Paul had two names before he was saved. Saul is not used again except when Paul gives his testimony. When he says, Saul, Saul, the Lord Jesus talks to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul used probably 
because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. So the rest of the scripture is use the name Paul. Paul's conversion is uh, recorded four times in the scripture. We have Acts 9 where Luke writes about Paul's conversion. We have Galatians chapter 1, Paul shares some of his testimony. Churches of Galatia and then Acts 21 and 22 where Paul's testimony in Jerusalem. And uh, Don had that last week. And then today we're going to look at Acts 26, Paul's testimony before Festus and Agrippa. So what I thought I'd do is just compare a little bit of these so we get the full story. I think it's a little bit like the Synoptic Gospels. When you compare them all together, you got the full story. So that's what I, I thought I'd try to do today. I don't know whether I'm going to get through all this or not, but it's quite a bit here. But look in Acts chapter 9. In, uh, oh, that one. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. Then Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him, the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed near Damascus, suddenly a light shone around about him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. The goads were the long things that they poked the oxen with so they get going. And it's used metaphorically here that God is dealing with Paul and uh, he hadn't responded yet. And he says, It's hard for you to kick against the goads because he heard the testimony of Stephen knew the gospel, but he had rejected it up to this point. And then verse 6, so he trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's, I think, where Paul got saved. I think he got saved between verses 5 and 6. I believed he realized when he was persecuting the church, when he was persecuting the believers, he was persecuting Jesus. That's what the Bible clearly teaches. If we persecute a believer, we're persecuting Christ. When we persecute a believer, we're persecuting Christ. And so he said, he called him Lord. And I believe Paul was saved between verses 5 and 6. What do you want me to do? Man, he was ready, whatever the Lord wanted him to do. Then the Lord said, said to him, Arise, go in the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. They didn't really understand the meaning of the voice either. Then Saul arose from the ground, And when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. He was blinded for a time here, and he's three days without sight, blind for three days, neither ate or drank. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Believer, he's praying, talking to the Lord. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. That's the Lord Jesus talking directly to Ananias. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine 
bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, and I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. This, uh, you have the emphasis on Ananias here and the healing of Saul, and then you have um, Paul's filled with the Holy Spirit, and in verse 15 and 16, you don't find this in the other testimonies, he says, go, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, and I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. That's not found in the other testimonies as far as I can see. Look in Galatians chapter 1. Come on, computer. Uh-oh. <clears throat> this computer of mine is getting old and locks up sometimes, and I think it's locked up. <laughs> but not good. Oh, it's not working. So... We'll go without the computer. Um, Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11, Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia, which he evangelized on his first missionary journey. And verse 11, he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me, preached by me, is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul learned the gospel directly from the Lord Jesus. That's why you look in the book of Romans, it's so clear. He was, Jesus Christ is the one that taught him the gospel. Jesus Christ is the one. Uh, that's the only one I can see in the scriptures like that, except for possibly the 11 apostles. But uh, anyway, the Lord Jesus directly taught him. And uh, it goes on to say, For you heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go to Jerusalem for those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. And I saw none other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So Paul was taught the gospel directly from Christ. Another unique fact is that Paul did not go to Jerusalem, but to Arabia. That's the only time you find that too. Then after three years, he went up to Jerusalem to meet with Peter and James, the Lord's brother, for 15 days. And then Acts 21, which Don covered last week, when he's arrested there in Jerusalem, um, they wanted to kill him. And uh, starts with verse 37. When Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I speak to you? He replied, can you speak Greek? Paul could speak Greek, Aramaic. I think he could speak also Hebrew. Are not the Egyptians, are not you the Egyptian who for some time stirred up the rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out of the wilderness? But Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I implore you to permit me to speak to the people. So when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hands to the people. When there was a great silence, he spoke to them in Hebrew or Aramaic saying, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. When they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, it kept all the more silent. Then he said, I indeed am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, 
but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel. This city, he was brought up in Jerusalem, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuting this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Then he goes into the testimony again, uh, the same thing, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And uh, I'll pick up verse 10. Then I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise, go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all the things you appointed for you to do. And then he goes on, uh, verse 11, and since I could not see for the glory of the light, that's what blinded him, there's a light. Being led by the hand of those who were with me, I went into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, Receive your sight. That same hour I looked at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. I think that's symbolic. He was saved earlier. And uh, throughout the scripture, it's person is saved and then they're baptized later. The testimony of what God had done in their hearts. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste, and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. That's not found in the other scriptures either. So the Lord Jesus spoke directly to him and said, make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and bear those who believing on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. So Paul was sent to the Gentiles. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. I want to just share a little bit on the apostle to Gentiles. You can see this in Romans 11. It was called the apostle to the Gentiles, and Peter was called the apostle to the Jews. Chapter 11 of Romans, verse 13. Paul here is explaining to the church at Rome. He said, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Otherwise, God had given this idea. He's going to send him to the Gentiles. That's what he did. He went out on the first, the second, the third missionary journey, primarily to the Gentiles. Didn't mean he didn't preach to the Jews. He did. But he was the apostle to Gentiles. He said, I magnify my ministry. Otherwise, I'm proud of my job. God gave me this job to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And I'm proud of that. And I thank the Lord for it. Look in Galatians 1. Uh, maybe I'll start in verse 15. He's explaining, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. That's where he went to Arabia. But uh, he was 
that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Look in chapter 2, verse 7. This is when he was comparing himself to Peter. He says, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, that's uncircumcised, had been committed to him, as a gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. Peter was the apostle to the Jews. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Apostle just means sent one. He was sent to the Gentiles. And that's primarily what he did. And then 1 Timothy 2.7 says, For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentile in faith and truth. So Paul basically, God made him the apostle to the Gentile. Look at Acts 25. I'm going to just go through this quickly because uh, I'm going to emphasize chapter 26. For 25 gives us the lead up there. And I'll just read through chapter 25 with a few comments. Paul had been kept two years in prison there at Caesarea. Those guys that swore they were going to not eat or drink. Uh, until they killed Paul, this is two years later, so I imagine they were really hungry. <laughs> they they didn't keep their their oath. They took an oath and said they wouldn't drink or eat until they killed Paul. Of course, uh, then uh, got sent to Caesarea, and they weren't able to do that. So he's still in Caesarea, and he's been there for two years. Verse 25, verse 1. Now, when Festus had come to the province three days, he went up to Caesarea in Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him that he would summon him in Jerusalem. They wanted to summon against Paul, and he wanted to summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. So these, I don't know whether the same 40 guys or not, but uh, some of the most cruel people in the world tied in with the religion. These guys, tell you what, they still had this bitterness in in their hearts toward Paul, and they they still laid in ambush along the road to kill him. I think Paul knew about that, too. I think he knew that if he went to Jerusalem, that'd be the end of it. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea. Caesarea is about 75 miles northwest of Jerusalem, on the coast of Caesarea. And he says, Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and he himself was going there shortly, Therefore, he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there are any fault in Two years later, they're still after Paul. And when he had remained among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which he could not prove. While he answered for himself, Paul's talking now, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? Remember, Paul knew if he went to Jerusalem, he would be ambushed and killed. So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. So he appeals to Caesar as a citizen. He could appeal to Caesar and go before Caesar. 
and not have to go to Jerusalem. And I think he knew that if he said, okay, I'll go to Jerusalem and be judged there, that he would be killed. For I, for if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there's nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. No one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, after he had conferred with the council, so he talked to the council about this, said, well, shall we let Paul go to Caesar, go to Rome? And uh, they all said, send him to Rome. So they made that decision. He says, you have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar, you shall go. It's interesting. Back in chapter 23, the Lord appeared to Paul. 23, verse 11. It says, but the following night the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer. <laughs> he's always in these troubles, you know. He's in a prisoner and everything. And he says, be of good cheer. I love that. Paul, for you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So Jesus told him, hey, you're going to Rome. And Paul knew he was going to Rome. He knew he wasn't going to be taken to Jerusalem and killed there. He's going to Rome. So... They said, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. Now this King Agrippa, the great-grandson of Herod the Great, the great-grandson of Herod the Great, and uh, Herod, the Herod family was Jewish, all Jewish. So this King Agrippa was the great-grandson of Herod, and he was a Jew, and he came and... Uh, with Bernice, came Caesarea to greet Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, there's a certain man left a prisoner by Felix. Now Festus had taken over after Felix, and uh, about whom the chief priest and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem asking for a judgment against him. To them I answered, it is not a custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused, meet the accusers face to face and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. That's interesting. You know, even in those days, there was some type of rights and you couldn't have just someone accuse you and then kill them off. They had a chance to answer back. That was kind of neat, I thought. And then, therefore... When they came together without any delay, the next day I sat on a judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. When the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him as such things as I supposed, but had some question against him about their own religion, question about their own religion, and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. He paid attention. Jesus had died. And Paul affirmed to be alive that he rose from the dead. So this uh, he listened to the message there, and he got that part. And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he is willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed to, to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, that's Caesar, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp, great pomp and circumstance, and had entered the auditorium, 
with the commanders and the prominent men of the city as Festus command Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me both at Jerusalem and here, Caesarea, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. They wanted to kill him. But when I found him, he had committed nothing deserving of death, and he himself had appealed to Augustus. I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him. Therefore, I have brought him out before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, that after the examination has taken place, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not to specify the charges against him. Seems kind of crazy, huh? I'm going to send this prisoner, but i got no charges against him. What am I going to charge him with? So King Agrippa wanted to hear him too, and uh, then we come to chapter 26. 26 is the testimony of Paul and uh, Paul's testimony before Festus and Agrippa. Uh, Paul, uh, Jesus spoke directly to Paul more in this portion than any other scripture. He spoke directly to Paul in chapter 26 more than any other portion of the Bible. Pretty important chapter to see. It is the most detailed of this testimony of all, I think, as far as actually what the Lord wanted me to do and things like that. So we go into chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you're an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you, beg you to hear me patiently. So he knew he's a Jew. And he knew that King Agrippa knew all these customs and everything concerning the Jews. And so he goes on. He says, my manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They know me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee, which is a very strict organization of people, Pharisees, and uh, they believed the scriptures, they believed in miracles, they believed in the resurrection. And now I stand and judge for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. That's the reason I'm standing here, because of the hope of the promises made by God to our fathers. He's talking about all the Old Testament, all the Old Testament, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. To this promise, our 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day, Hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jew. Then all these things from the Old Testament are coming to pass concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why these guys are accusing me. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus, he's preaching. and He says, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? And Agrippa was familiar with the Old Testament. He says, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So I think it was more than Stephen. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. This guy's a murderer. God saved and God used. 
And I punished them often in every synagogue, compelled them to blaspheme, being exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While they occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. When we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying, in the Hebrew language, Aramaic, I believe, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So I said, who are you, Lord? That I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. That's not in the other testimonies, by the way, this particular verse right here. He says, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. The word minister has a literal meaning of uh, under oarsmen. And they had these big boats, and they had guys that rowed. Remember the old movie, Ben-Hur? <laughs> he was one of the guys. He was a slave, and he is, that's the literal version. It's metaphorically used as a, just a servant. Paul became a servant of Christ when he got saved. And then uh, he says that you might be a witness. The word witness is, comes from the Greek word martis or martyr, which we get the English martyr, one who bears witness by his death. It denotes one who can or does aver that he has seen or heard or know. Aver means to assert with confidence. And uh, says both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. In that verse, he says, Make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. So Jesus had already taught Paul, but he would continue to teach him throughout his life. It's a tremendous thing. And then one of the most fantastic verses, uh, verse 17, For I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And many times in Paul's life, he was delivered from the Jewish people and he was delivered from Gentiles. So that was a, and God, the Lord Jesus gave him this promise directly. I'm going to deliver you from the Jewish people as well as to Gentiles whom I now send you. So he sent them to the Gentiles. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. And then verse 18 is one of the most magnificent verses, uh, in all the Bible. It says to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus talking directly to him, and he says, go open your eyes, open your eyes. Um, amazing. In the Old Testament, it tells us that that uh, the Messiah is going to open eyes. He's going to open the eyes of the blind. You know, there's nobody in the Old Testament that's ever heal from being blind. It wasn't until the New Testament got anybody healed from blind. That's the Lord Jesus. No. And uh, so that's a prophecy. Um, I don't really have time to go into all those, but he says that he's going to heal the blind, open the eyes, and uh, it's a tremendous portion of Scripture there. In John 9, when Jesus healed the man who was born blind, they came and asked him, uh, the Pharisees, the religious people, and they called the man who was healed 
who was blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And just a tremendous portion there that then uh, later he meets the Lord Jesus and he um, trusts in the Lord Jesus as his Savior, this guy that was born blind. And then down verse 39, it says, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. That kind of a, think about that. For judgment I have come into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. A person has to see themselves as lost before they can ever get must see themselves as lost before they can ever get saved. And when I saw myself as blind, the gospel, when I got saved, that's when I got saved. And uh, so, anyway, he says, going to turn them from darkness to light back there in Acts. Uh, this tremendous portion of scripture, the Lord Jesus turns people from darkness to light and uh, praise God. For that and then from the power of Satan to God, um, we have been transferred. We move from the power of darkness, have new residency. It is the kingdom of His Son. We have a new address. We have seen been set free from our old boss. We have a new master. We're no longer under the bondage of have a fear of death. And uh, a couple of scriptures there: Colossians and Hebrews. Uh, they're both two fourteen and fifteen, and uh, it's a tremendous truth that. We've been set free, and praise God for that. And then he goes on to, they may receive forgiveness of sin. I used to have a bumper sticker on my car, happiness is no, your sins are forgiven. I tell you what, that's the real truth. And uh, it's wonderful to know your sins are forgiven. By the precious blood of the Lord Jesus, sins are forgiven. goes on to say, an inheritance among those that are sanctified by faith in me, Set apart, we've been set apart. We became children of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've been set free. Praise the Lord for that. So I'm going to just uh, stop there because I'm running out of time. But uh, thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for setting Paul free. Thank you that he turned from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, and we received forgiveness of sin. Greatest, greatest thing that ever happened. Know the sins of thank you for giving my give me new life. Pray for any here. Do not sins are forgiven. Come to know Jesus. Know their sins are no. We're on our way to heaven. Jesus did for thank you. Thank